0: Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus, and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week?
1: Well, this week I am bringing out the Festivus poll for the Kansas City front office staff. Actually, (laughs) in particular, the the person that was in charge of giving the absolute, like, very top row, tippy-top, nosebleed seats to Jordan Love's mother and girlfriend this weekend at Arrowhead Stadium. Now, (laughs) I mean... I don't know if you guys saw that, if anyone saw it out there, but listen, I understand if it was a last second situation, that it was like an hour before game time and Aaron Rodgers was scratched and they were scrambling. No, they had several days. Aaron Rodgers was put on the COVID list early on in the week. They had plenty of time to find some kind of seats, decent, regular, normal seats for these people. I mean, I don't know his story, Jordan Love, as far as his childhood growing up, all that, but. I'm sure it, it was a lifelong dream to be in the NFL. I'm sure, you know, as we all know, it takes a lot of work to get there. It's not an easy thing to do it. Not very many people can do it in their lifetime. And this was his first starting gig as an NFL quarterback. And they shoved his family in the very, very top row. In the, I mean, the very last row of the entire stadium. That's crappy sportsmanship. It makes me mad. And um, that's why I'm, uh, they're my, my grievance of the week
0: i didn't know anything about that and i now want this to be an episode solely about that but i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna stop that digression even though i really badly want to and uh and just say yes wow casey front office staff now let's get to the show Welcome everyone to The Most Accurate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how's it going, buddy?
2: I'm I'm doing better than Jordan Love's family at the moment, and also better than the Green Bay front office or like whomever's in charge of buying those tickets, because uh, I definitely do not want the ire of one Jen Akins. So I'm doing fine. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, Jen, how are you doing outside of being upset with anybody involved in Jordan Love's families getting getting their tickets?
1: I'm doing well. You know, overall doing well. It was um, as we'll get into a insanely crazy upside down week in the nfl uh which you know is one of those weird things where it's like it's kind of upsetting you know on the fantasy front because things that were supposed to happen didn't and things that were not supposed to happen did and all that kind of stuff but um it's kind of fun you know when you've been at this for as long as we have and you know this is my i think 26 year playing fantasy football it's kind of fun when like you know, crap hits the fan and everything's chaotic makes it a little bit more fun. So overall I'm doing well. I'm excited that we are approaching double digit or not approaching. We are in double digit weeks of the fantasy world. This is uh, week 10 coming up here, which is kind of exciting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall I'm doing well. Um, like I was saying earlier with a ton of different things that happened, there were absolutely a lot of surprises. So I'm sure that Chris, you are ready to get to our surprise segment in the pod. Absolutely. And one of the things that I was
2: surprised about, uh, which was actually like really hurt me personally, uh, was just seeing like Cincinnati completely being blown out by the Browns. And I know that our own uh, resident like Cleveland fan, uh, Mike Woolert, uh, I know he's probably like fairly happy that his team wound up actually like getting the W this weekend. But I was actually like somewhat surprised as to. How much of a downtick we've seen in terms of Joe Burrow's production? Now he did have the two touchdowns uh, this past weekend, but I think over the past month or so, we've kind of seen how teams have now tried to at least read what the uh, Cincinnati's offense has tried to do, and then try to account for that and take some of that away. And I was happy for I was happy with it for about a month or so when it like from weeks three through seven when their pass rate over expectation was starting to tick up they were four and one uh over that stretch uh we were seeing the highlights of you know Jer- uh, joe burrow yelling you know get me an empty uh was it that one the thursday night game against jacksonville and everything was fine and over that time span like he was tied for uh, tied for the most touchdowns on passes of 20 air yards or more He was also tied for the fourth most interceptions, but like I'm not going to count that. Uh, Fifth in deep passing yards. I mean, literally a quarter of his production was based off of those deep throws, which is great for highlights, which is great when your team's winning. But at the same time, I mean, they were 22nd in yards per drive, back end of the league in terms of neutral pace, uh, 28th in place per game. So it's just without those explosive plays, we weren't really seeing enough production out of that offense in order for them to keep up once they fall behind. So unless they make like have those statement games like the one they had against Baltimore or even like earlier in the uh, earlier in the season when they played against Pittsburgh, unless they've got those games when you're completing 70-yard bombs to Ja'Mar Chase, 34-yard passes to Ja'Mar Chase like they did against Pittsburgh, they don't have the they don't have the same passing rate as the other guys. I mean, over that time period, Joe Burrow, he was actually like sixth or seventh uh, over the, in terms of fancy points scored I mean he was just behind Tom Brady Matthew Stafford and Lamar Jackson in terms of the amount of points scored over that like four or five week stretch and ahead of Patrick Mahomes Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert in that same category so it's just it never made any sense to me that he was going to continue on this pace so I was I was just really surprised and like in a bad way that they would completely fall off the rails. Now they go into the buy, have to do you know a whole bunch of like you know soul searching. So I don't know, like Jen, where are you at with Cincinnati's offense? I mean, outside of Jamar Chase, maybe T. Higgins, who I'll talk about here in a little bit. I mean, are you really, I guess, enthusiastic about any of the Cincinnati players?
1: Not really. You know, during draft season, it was one of those kind of questions where so all the weapons were going. Pretty high, and then there's Burrow. We were we were kind of confused. Like, can he, you know, can he sustain this? or not sustain this? I'm sorry, but but can he support, you know, three wide receivers? Can I don't I just i I found the Cincinnati office in, in offense intriguing the whole season really because you're wondering, you know, you've got. CJ Uzuma who shows up kind of out of nowhere and then you've got the three guys that we thought okay maybe maybe they will be able to support all three and it looked like maybe they could but then it seems like each week you've got you know Chase and then kind of Higgins and then Boyd is falling off but then he shows up just enough so you don't want to drop him but then he you know is bad the next week and you know it's interesting i mean Burrow and think he had seven point four fantasy points this week. I mean, that is a huge yikes. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I was playing against him in uh, Scott Fishbowl. And in that crazy scoring format, he actually got negative one point something, which um was nice for me personally. But, you know, I think moving forward, it's one of those things, like you said, they're going to go into the into the you know, the bye week and hopefully they can regroup and reset and and kind of adjust and figure things out. I, I don't think the season is is lost per se, you know, but and I think they're still, Uh, fantasy relevant pieces in there. Mixon has actually done better than I personally thought he would. So I think as a whole, as an offense, um, I I don't think it's, you know, give up time at all after one bad game, but it is a little questionable.
2: Yeah. And I think that's where I'm at. Like, even as a fan, we just, you can see how the explosive plays have really been a part of their offense. And I mean, kicking it over to you, Brandon, I mean, they are Bottom 10 in terms of third down conversion. Even coming out of the bye, they face the Raiders. They go back to face Pittsburgh. They play against the Chargers over the next, like, few weeks coming out of the bye. I mean, are you – I don't know. Like, I'll ask you the same question I asked Jen. I mean, what can we really expect? Are you enthusiastic about rostering any of these Cincinnati players at this point?
0: I think they're going to figure it out. I know that's uh maybe a little hopeful, but, you know, they were fifth in the league in uh points allowed per game on defense, right? Uh, up until two weeks ago, they plummeted down to like 12th since then because the last two weeks have just been awful defensively. I, I'm not saying they're fifth in the league defensively, but I think that they're going to be better than they've been the past two weeks. I think as that defense settles down, settles into what it is, which is a, a quality unit with good run defense and solid Making linebackers and players in the secondary. I think as that happens, things are going to get easier for Joe Burrow. The run game will open back up and we'll start seeing Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd uh, help Burrow again. Burrow's still on pace for, you know, like 4,700 yards, 37 touchdowns. Uh, a couple games really bad against bad teams. Not well, I, the Browns aren't a bad team, but Browns are a, an up and down team at least. Uh, you know, concerning, yes, but. I, I kind of think week nine was just drunk, and I think that Bur- burrow is is gonna be okay. so i'm I'm rostering him. He's probably a by low guy for me right now and Dynasty T. Higgins is a by low guy for me right now.
2: No, and I think that makes sense. I think it's just that when you see the number of plays run for the Bengals on on offense, even just this past week, right, if we look at I think they had just over like fifty plays run in total like on their uh, on their offense. But then, if we look at their defense, I mean, it was almost like seventy plays that they had to play against that like on on uh, on uh, on defense, just because they were put into so many like bad situations, and they wound up giving up so many plays. Like over the past like couple of weeks, their defense has really been leaned on in order to help out that entire team. So I don't know. It's just as a Bengals fan, I try and stay as biased like unbiased rather as possible, but it's just. <laughs> i don't see like how this team winds up moving forward especially after generating so much hype i think if i just kept my expectations the same as i had them like back in preseason like hey let's just win you know eight nine games and you know get out of the season without too many like catastrophic injuries and everything's fine but around like week five week six it was like we could go to the playoffs we could win the playoffs maybe but now it's just (laughs) like all that's gone all that goodwill's gone so i don't know i will just we'll hopefully again no i'll just go back to my original prior and just say like no injuries and maybe we'll have like a you know a decent season but who knows
0: i'm with you man stupid dolphins man dolphins fan last year right i was like we're in the middle of a hard reboot and then they come out and they 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 go above 500 they're on the verge of the playoffs i come into this season like hey maybe i got a team to root for maybe this is good stuff nope Uh uh-uh i should have known better chris i feel you i feel you strongly how dare the bagels go five and two and give you false hope
2: exactly it's just that every year this winds up happening but all right well we'll just i don't know we'll keep we'll keep pressing on we'll keep pressing on just hopefully no injuries but uh, here we'll switch over to a team that actually is dealing with injuries fairly well and this is arizona now they wind up coming into this game without kyler murray no aj green no jandre hopkins they lose chase edmonds after like the first play of the game apparently no problem I mean, they completely run over the San Francisco 49ers, and it's James Conner is the one that's doing all the bulldozing. I mean, what, 45-yard reception TD, if I'm remembering correctly, but also puts down quite a decent amount of production on the ground as well with three touchdowns. And Now, coming into the season, when we had, it was Chase Edmonds, James Conner, and we could see how those roles were going to be kind of divvied up between the two, where we'd have Chase Edmonds be the guy, possibly the starter, at least by, you know, by role, but then once we got into the red zone, we might see a switch into James Conner. That's essentially how it's played out. We've had James Conner; he's almost doubled Edmonds' opportunity inside the 20, doubled his production inside the 10, and actually and also inside the five as well. I mean, he has 10 receiving or 10 rushing touchdowns on 51 yards. That makes absolutely no sense. But even last, <laughs> uh, even yesterday, when it was um after chase edmonds went down and it was him and eno benjamin it was james Conner that was running more routes like eno benjamin when he profiled as more of a pass catching running back coming out of arizona state like he didn't even run a route yesterday which was actually somewhat surprising now that could that have been just because they were blowing out the 49ers absolutely but now without chase edmonds expected to be in the lineup for the next like few weeks i mean Jen, are we are we now going to assume that it that James Conner RB one
1: season? I mean, is that was that where you're at? I don't know about RB one season, but I think he's you know definitely outperforming what people were expecting. And the thing is with James Conner coming into the season, like the only issue with James Conner was his health. Can he stay healthy? Like he's always been good, and it's funny like this season people really wrote him off and and pooed you know the whole concept that he could actually make a difference in Arizona. Um, and I know, obviously, Chase Edmonds was there. And a lot of people, especially in the fantasy community, are, you know, Chase, Ed- Chase Edmonds supporters. I'm um, including my cat here who's back. <laughs> he just showed up. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, I think that Connor is one of those things. You know, it's funny. you mentioned the, You mentioned his 10 touchdowns. He's actually tied with Derrick Henry as a touchdown leader right now, which is insane. I mean, no one saw that coming. So I think, you know, with that high ankle sprain to Edmonds, you know, I think he, he what they said is he could be headed to the short-term IR. So that's at least three games. So, yeah, I mean, grab all the Conner you can. I mean, he should be rostered in most leagues. I don't know what his percentage is, but I would assume he's not out there. But uh, I see no reason why, you know, they can, especially if Kyler is out for an extended period of time, he may take over some of those running duties. Um, So, yeah, I mean, why not? James Conner all the way. Yeah, and I think so. And I I know
2: that especially at this point in Conner's career and when you see him put on a squad that, that, that pretty much features multiple pass catchers, if not from the wide receivers, uh, definitely from guys like uh, like guys that he was competing against for touches in his backfield, like Chase Edmonds, and also I'm I'm assuming Eno Benjamin will get into the mix as a pass catcher as well. But Brandon, over to you. I mean, when he was in Pittsburgh, James Conner was actually catching passes, and getting targets when he was still a part of the Steelers offense. Had an 11.1 percent target share while he was in Pittsburgh. Now, while that was heavily slanted towards his 71 targets that he had back in 2018, but still he was getting to, earning targets in that past heavy offense that featured wide receiver talent i would say that's better than what he currently has in uh, currently competing against in arizona so i don't see why he could at the very least take over the chase Edmonds role being the quote-unquote starter getting what three four targets per game i mean i would at the, at the very least say if not top 12 top 24 consideration on a week-to-week basis until we chase until we see chase Edmonds get get uh get back does that make sense brandon
0: yeah, you know, I was going to bring up the uh, the 71 targets, 55 balls in 2018 as well. Like, Connor can catch the ball. It's, it's just that Edmonds is so good at it that that's been his role. So uh, I think he's going to be, like you said, a fringe RB1 while uh, Edmonds is shelved. And don't forget, you know, he's got double-digit touches in like all but one game this year so he's a like a fringe rb2 anyway especially with his touchdown uh with the touchdowns that he's been doing which i know can be unsustainable he's got 11 touchdowns this year but uh the Cardinals' offense is really good, and they get put in that position. They made a switch a few weeks into the season where they said, you know what? Kyler Murray's not going to be our goal line back. He's four foot two and 106 pounds, and we're not going to have him be our goal line back. James Conner started getting those touches, and it's been very effective for them. So I think that's going to continue to be the case. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be worth starting come playoff time, even with Chase Edmonds on the roster and healthy, even when that happens and he comes back, I still think he's gonna the the difference isn't relevant and non relevant. It's RB one or fringe RB two.
2: I, I agree with that, especially looking at their upcoming matchups like here in week ten, they're going they're at home against Carolina. Week eleven they're at Seattle fairly decent matchup there as well they go on by in week 12 and then they've got Chicago and then the Rams in weeks 13 and 14 before we really start talking about the fantasy playoffs so I think there are enough matchups there for Connor to at least capitalize on the additional opportunity now whether or not he winds up getting those like short touchdowns week in and week out that's a whole other conversation but at least from an opportunity standpoint he should profile as the guy that should be in your lineup at the RB position week in and week out for the foreseeable future and Flipping over to my last surprise of the week, another play that should likely be in your lineup. I mean, obviously not this week because the team's on bye, but uh, T. Higgins. Now, I know we were just talking about like Cincinnati and like, Joe Burrow and his struggles, but like T. Higgins, his profile, like he's been more of a byproduct of the offense from a production standpoint. But all of the metrics that we typically look at for a wide receiver are like the things that, I mean, from uh, for T, they've been things that we would want to see like out of our wide receiver. Like since he returned from injury in week five, like second on the team in routes run, second on the team in targets, second on the team in red zone targets as well, and second on the team in air yards. I mean, all of those things like we would want out of our wide receiver, but all of that's translated to just like 313 yards like over the over that five-game stretch and no touchdowns. So it's just... What are we supposed to do, like, with this, with this, not just with the quarterback, since we already talked about Joe Burrow, Jen, but, like, for T, are you just going to continue to roster him, assume everything gets right with Cincinnati's offense, and especially with T himself?
1: I mean, I think that's really all you can do. Because the frustrating thing with T is that he's close. You know, like, looking at his numbers, it's like, you know, he's right under – you know, that, that double digit mark, you know, he, he's, he's getting like, you know, this week he had 9.12, he had 9.4, you know, he's really close. And, you know, he had the first two games of the season, he broke the double digit barrier. He had over 12, you know, uh, PPR points. I think half PPR points. Um, And he had two touchdowns, but yet, you know, he's close. So it's not like, he's not quite droppable because you feel like, you know, he can make up, you know, there, there could be a big play at any moment, you know, but unfortunately, you know, like this past week between him and Chase, there was a fumble and three drops, you know, so it's like if they can all get it together at the same time, c- could be fantastic for fantasy purposes. So I think you have to continue to trot him out there, especially with, you know, there, there's still tons of bye weeks left. So there's still, I think, 16 teams that haven't had their bye. So I think that uh, it's one of those things where we have to just hope and trust that uh, they will write the ship this week on their bye and come back and maybe put it all together to, uh, you know, kind of elevate him up you
2: know to the next level there. No, I think that makes sense. Now, Brandon, I mean, what he was tackled at the 12 and 11 uh, this past week. He was tackled at the two-yard line when they played against the Jets. So it's just, I just, I'm hoping, or at least the the numbers at least uh, are suggesting to me that we're just on the bad side of touchdown variance. And with the number of targets that he's seeing, air yards he's seeing, I mean, all the other statistics that we typically look at for wide receivers, I mean, the touchdowns will get there. And the fantasy results that we want will get there. I mean, it's, I mean, should we just take it on faith pretty much that he's going to wind up getting to at least a wide receiver one level type of fantasy
0: results? Yeah, he looks good. He passes the eye test eight targets a game. He's going to be he's going to be all right. Nar, <laughs> that's all I needed to hear. Right?
2: From, from my Cincinnati Bengals like fandom, I just that's what I needed to see. All right. I need I need to hear those words so that I can at least have some sort of faith, like for the rest of the season. Now, they might only win, you know, eight, nine games like for, you know, in total for the 2021 season. But at the very least, I'm hoping that at least for T, at least the players that I really enjoy, like watching out of that offense. And T is definitely one of them. I'm hoping that they wind up getting there. So, I mean, that's it. That's it for me, though. But before we move on, Brandon, I mean, tell folks what they can expect, like out of like underdog fantasy and things they got going on over there
0: absolutely listeners let me tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season it's underdog fantasy the brand new pick'em game just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps just pick between two and five players and win you some cold hard cash first time depositors should head to 4for4.com underdog claim your free 4 for four pro subscription and get ten dollars in bonus cash to play this weekend all right, a uh, buy or sell segment this week. I, these are a bunch of, like, names that I I, I don't know what to do with. I I, I felt weird writing them. Uh, I'm going to start with Deontay Foreman, who I know only had five carries. Oh, I know he only had 29 yards, 21% of the snaps. But, Chris, he looked better than Adrian Peterson in his five carries. Tennessee is lost at running back right now. Jeremy McNichols seems like he's going to continue to be, like, a combo role Uh We saw all the Scott Fishbowl money go to Adrian Peterson and Jeremy McNichols last week. Should we be adding Deontay Foreman even just as a speculative ad?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't see why not. From a rational coaching perspective, I cannot imagine a world where even if the Titans want to keep their run-heavy approach – they can't funnel all of that workload to a 36 year old Adrian Peterson. I just cannot imagine that. But even if they <laughs> don't want to... tell Adrian Peterson that, man. oh don't right. Tell... <laughs> but even if they they want to keep that and they continue to spread out that workload, Dante Foreman is in like a fairly decent spot to cap. Uh, I mean, to catch some of that workload like moving forward. And now looking at their upcoming opponents, like they play against New Orleans like uh, this coming week. So obviously we'll just go ahead and throw that out. But they got Houston they still need to play. They still need to play them twice, but they don't play them until week eighteen. But they got Jacksonville after their bye in week thirteen. I mean, so they've got some good matchups like here and there where we could see Foreman actually getting into the mix and actually being able to capitalize on some of that opportunity. We'll see if they wind up using him in the short yardage, like they like they just did with AP last night, where he got the short touchdown. If Foreman gets a couple of those, yeah, sure. I I don't see why we shouldn't add him.
0: Excellent, excellent. I uh you know, he's one of those – he's on my, like, uh, stop trying to make him a thing list. Like, for years we've been trying to make him good. But I don't know. Like, tennis, they need somebody to give the ball to. So it makes sense. I had to throw him on this list. Uh, Jen, I want to talk about a, a, a few receivers. I'm going to start with you. I want st- to uh, talk about Olamide Zacchaeus, the uh, receiver for Atlanta, had three catches, 58 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, are you buying or selling him as an active part of this offense? Is someone worth picking up, considering Calvin Ridley seems to – uh, be not part of this uh, active game day roster for the foreseeable future.
1: Well, before I get to that, I need to I need to back up a second and just say um, that I need to mention how absolutely bizarre it was to see Adrian Peterson wearing the number eight. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> right. It was super yeah. weird, and it was confusing, yeah. and I, I absolutely hated it. Um, but back 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 to uh, Mr. Olamide Zacchaeus. I don't know if I said that right, but you whatever. did. I did. All right, back to him. Um, you know. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not in a world right now where I'm I'm on top of, of Atlanta's pass catching anything. I think it's really difficult. I think between him and Gage, Sharp, I just I don't really know what to make of it. And so I don't know that we need to rush out and, and pick up any of these guys. Uh, it- you know, listen, you all know how, how I feel about Pitts, right? I, I'm not this huge Pitts fan, and, and he mm-hmm. had a couple good games, and now he's come kind of back to earth to, you know, he's had a couple bad games. So I have no idea what to make of Atlanta in general. You know, I mean, they won, yeah. you know, yesterday. Uh, it's kind of strange, but, I mean, I guess, you know, if you have to pick him, sure, you know, go for Zacchaeus, but um, I just – I don't know if any of them are any good. You know, every year it's like we sit here and, and we talk about him and we talk about Gage and, and it's they're always kind of in the mix um, because, like, you know, last year Julio got hurt. And so, you know, they're always kind of a name that's thrown out there, but then somehow nothing really comes to fruition. So I, I, I know you know Ridley is si- sidel- sidelined indefinitely, so that is a real thing. But at the same time, I'm not really sure if, if any of these guys are going to step up enough to be fantasy relevant. So... I'm staying away, but, uh, you know, it'll probably bite me in the ass, and I'm sure that one of these guys will go off, and then I'll have people yelling at me, but personally, I'm staying away.
0: Yeah, you know, trying to pick which week is probably going to be the issue, I imagine. you. The only thing I really know for sure is that Cordero Patterson seems yes. to be a, a very active part of the offense. Uh, Chris, are you buying any of these uh, ancillary pieces in Atlanta right now? Russell Gage, uh, Zacchaeus, uh, Hayden Hurst, even any of these guys interesting?
2: No no i can't i can't do it I can't do it. <laughs> well not just because of the i mean just because of the quarterback that they're tied to like matt ryan like while he has been like fairly serviceable like from a quarterback perspective he has is prone to have some of those like down weeks and apparently he winds up playing his division mates like fairly tough because they wound up winning yesterday against what we thought was a good defense in new orleans but i can't really advocate for rostering a guy that Really, like, he's third in uh, on the the team, or not third, but third, uh, like, last in the wide receiver group in terms of routes run over the past couple of weeks without having Ridley in the lineup. He pops up for this type of game. It's like, okay, fine, but could you just as easily see, like, literally any of the other pass catchers in that offense, like, wind up having the same type of stat line the very next week? It could be like Hayden Hurst that winds up getting like 20 yards and a touchdown. It, like we're assuming at some point Russell Gage is going to do something since we assumed he was going to be the wide receiver too across from Calvin Ridley. So no, I am I would much rather take a look at any of the other like wide receivers that might be out there on the waiver wire that might give you a little bit more upside. And also in offenses that are a bit more productive uh, from a passing perspective than saying that, yeah, let me just go ahead and roster Zacchaeus.
0: All right, let's talk about a couple of those other receivers. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, two catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown. He may not be on the waiver wire because a lot of people like stashing him, but uh, Odell Beckham Jr. seems to be gone. I I keep seeing conflicting reports about whether or not he's officially been waived or not, but that seems like it's actually going to happen. Uh, So Donovan Peoples-Jones seems like he's going to step into uh, a lot more snaps and theoretically more targets. Chris, is he one of those waiver wire guys that you're targeting?
2: absolutely i mean he is that like quickly he became the one that wound up cashing in on the fact that obj is no longer a part of that offense even though he just had like the three targets i mean he was second on the uh, second on the team or second in the wide receiver group in terms of targets right behind jarvis Lanzer who had four but he's always been the one that has that has that deep threat ability like even when it was last year like he popped up for a couple of those games as well and not just having the boom bust prospect of having a speecher like DPJ, like on your roster, but actually even it, it was a couple of weeks ago when it was OBJ was out, Jarvis Landry was out, and essentially it was him, maybe Higgins, maybe Anthony Schwartz. Like we didn't know who on the Cleveland Browns passing crew was going to be the one that we should, uh, we should really try and roster. But DPJ was not just running deep routes, he was also running intermediate routes and being targeted. By Baker at that point. Actually, I think it might have been Case Keenum as well, because I think he might have come in at some point during that particular game. I think it was against the Chargers, if I'm remembering right. But either way, he's not just a deep threat. He can also function as at least a decent like, wide receiver, two on that offense. So now, if we're projecting, for the, at least for the rest of the season now, without having OBJ in that offense, I can see DPJ like moving into a higher target share, more opportunity at the very least, like right behind Jarvis Landry in terms of production. But he's, but Jarvis Landry isn't going to be able to offer the same upside, like from a yardage and touchdown perspective that Donovan Peoples Jones would. So, yeah, 100%. I would take, uh, I would say that, you know, between Donovan Peoples Jones and Alameda uh, Zacchaeus, yeah, DPJ all the
0: way. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm very interested in DPJ. Been a big fan of his game. Uh, Jen, let's talk about the Raiders a little bit. Uh, Really thought that uh, in a game where the Raiders trailed and threw the ball 46 times, we'd see some of those receivers pop. Hunter Renfro got his usual uh, bag, but really not much else from the receiving core there. Darren Waller got his targets. Brian Edwards, zero catches on four targets. Are you interested in any of those Raiders receivers, including Brian Edwards, uh, now that the, the sad Henry Ruggs situation has unfolded?
1: Well, I actually picked up Brian Edwards this week. Um, I did not play him, thankfully. Um, as you said, he had zero catches on four targets. Um, so I was interested in him. I thought maybe he would get some more work. You know, I hate to even say this, but I'm slightly interested in Deshaun Jackson, who they just signed. Um, I feel like he, and not on a regular basis. You know, you. It, 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 I just know
0: you. I'm sorry. I know <laughs>
1: ew. But you know what, Derek Carr is can throw the long ball and he has he actually has thrown the most I should actually pull that up I just because I, I just wrote up to Jackson for my stash article um and Derek Carr leads the league in uh passes of 20 20 yards or more I can't remember the actual number I think it's 46 but I may not be uh, right there but it's somewhere around there so he has thrown the most balls over 20 yards Henry Ruggs is gone who was the long you know deep ball speed guy to Sean Jackson it may be worth you know a stab here because he may get some work uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like there are better games ahead for Carr and the Raiders, so somebody's going to have to get that. So, I mean, I don't think that Brian Edwards is completely off the table. I was hoping, you know, that, that this would be a good week for him to come out and uh, and do something. So, but I feel like, you know, in that offense, um, other, you know, Darren Waller really hasn't been the Darren Waller that we were expecting this season. I mean, he's been okay, but he hasn't been fantastic. He hasn't been second round worthy, that's for sure. So, I feel like someone's gonna have to get the ball, so why not? I mean, Brian Edwards is, you know, sure. You know, like we said, there are other uh, wide receivers on the waiver wire that, that may be in better spots, but I do feel like that offense um, has better days ahead, like I just said, and I feel like some of those pieces are worth picking up.
0: Yeah, Derek Carr, you know, quietly eighth in yards per attempt, uh, you know, this season, mm-hmm. like which which kind of uh, g- gains a little bit of. Uh, credence toward what you're saying as I stumble over every single thing that I say in this moment but uh <laughs> Chris Chris I, I want to ask about Brandon Ayuk. he's my last buy or sell uh obviously terribly disappointing season up until the last couple of weeks where he started to get targets last week six catches 89 yards and a touchdown eight targets uh can we start using Brandon Ayuk now
2: maybe I don't know <laughs> because well, cuz Kyle Shanahan hasn't even come out and really like committed to playing him. And now he was forced into it because they were being boat raced like by the Cardinals, but without really True. seeing a commitment from Kyle Shanahan moving forward, now we have seen uh what iuk's snap share has steadily risen like since week 5, it's gone up from like 71% to 93%, but was that influenced by the game environment they were in this past week? That's where I'm just not 100% sure, and given what Shanahan's, let's say, pettiness, right? I mean, they bring in, so he brings in Ayuk, <laughs> puts him in the doghouse, trades up and, like, picks up Trey Sermon, zero snaps for the kid. Dante Pettis, completely not even on, the like, the, you know, the team anymore after getting, you know, after he doghoused him as well. So it's just we have a track record of Kyle Shanahan being somewhat finicky uh, as to, like, who is going to, like, who that he's going to play on a week-to-week basis. So while I do think that from a, you know, metrics perspective, you know, we're seeing the increased targets, his targets per route run are also up, receptions are up, and obviously the yardage, and including the touchdown, like where he, like, but he, and also he looked every bit the part of a, like, let's say wide receiver two on the field yesterday as well. I mean, seeing him hustle out there, what it looked like he was injured at one point during the game and came out and came back into the game in order to catch a couple of passes, like even though the game was essentially lost at that point, he's looked the part. So I'm hoping that it gives enough, like if Kyle Shanahan goes back, looks at the tape and sees like what Brandon Ayu actually put down on film this time. And hopefully that winds up being a case where I mean, IU continues to see the same level of opportunity like moving forward, but again, with Kyle Shanahan, you, you never really can tell on a week-to-week basis.
0: Yeah, I hope that he, I hope that this kind of comes back because he's been dropped in a lot of leagues. So I think I'm going to pick him up, and if I can, and just stash him. I for I dropped a couple him. weeks. Yeah, I, I, I've seen him. <laughs> it makes uh, sense. But, yeah. But yeah, hopefully he'll he'll rebound because I, I know uh, the, the draft capital used on him was was mm-hmm. uh, substantial the uh, <laughs> preseason. Uh, let's close out with our looking ahead segment. Uh, my th- we talked about Derek Carr a little bit. Uh, he's been pretty good this season, coming off a bad game, might be on your waiver wire. Uh, going up against the Chiefs, he had 20 fantasy points against them in both matchups last year. Chiefs were fourth worst in AFPA to opposing quarterbacks heading into last week until uh, the Week Nine debacle that where everything was up uh, was upside down in every game. So uh, Derek Carr uh, is the guy that I'm looking at for next week as a nice uh, fringe QB one streaming option for you, Jen.
1: My looking at Hagman guy uh, is Adam Troutman. You know he's. People kind of forgot about him. He was kind of, the, you know, heading into the season. He was, you know, one of the big tight end sleepers, and then um, he got hurt. And, you know, he's had 13 targets in the past two weeks, and I feel like, you know, this offense is going to be a little more gadgety without Jameis Winston, so they may be using him in, in weird spots and, and different – so I would just – my advice really is just to keep an eye at him since tight end is so absolutely disgusting this season <laughs> that he's someone that, you know, may be worth picking up in the next week or two.
0: Excellent, excellent. I need I need these tight ends that I can throw in my lineup. We all do. I uh, touchdown Fryermuth tonight. By the way, that's that's a good one for me. He's been one of my streamers this week. Chris, uh, who's your looking ahead?
2: Uh, so for me, it's going to be. Let's see if Carson Wentz can continue at least playing well at the quarterback position. Now they're going to be at home uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who outside of playing against Josh Allen, like they have been one of the teams that we typically (laughs) want to like uh, send our quarterbacks against. They are 27th in terms of adjusted fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. So it's just, I think it all lines up for Carson Wentz to have another good day. Hopefully they don't wind up getting a ton of pressure on him like they did against Josh Allen. And he winds up, literally throwing an interception with his left hand like he did just a couple of weeks ago <laughs> but i mean all things uh, all things being equal from a process perspective i think most folks would wind up wanting to play carson wentz in this matchup
0: yeah, quietly seventeen to three touchdown interception ratio this year for Carson Wentz. Not something I would have expected uh, at the midseason point. Uh, thank you both. Thank you, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure, listeners. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy at Chris Allen and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.